Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Wednesday, September 30th, and we're just going to get right into it because we have a 20-minute show today, and Russ has already identified something he wants to kick it off with. So over to you, Russ. I have. It's uh, it's actually incredibly important. This is probably the biggest news that this show has ever broken, if I'm honest. Ooh. Yeah. And that is, is that there is officially going to be a Borat sequel. I knew that was going to be it. (laughs) He had us on the edge of our seats, but that is awesome. I saw that last night too, and and it does, it excites me. It is exciting, and apparently it's coming out soon. Um, They've probably been working on this since they finished the first one. It's just an incredibly complex sort of story arc that you have to deal with with Borat. Uh, it probably takes just a lot of takes because I don't think they script anything. I think it's just very genuine. It's just just a great, great character that we're going to get to follow. And it's coming out this year. And it's going to be on uh, Amazon's Prime Video. So Amazon bought nice. the rights to it to keep it alive, uh, as they should have. It's uh, They're the true American hero in this story here. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm dropping on you guys this morning to start it off. It's awesome. His ability to stay in character is pretty freaking impressive right and obviously he's dynamic he does more than just borat but borat in particular is just awesome when he's messing with people and i can't believe i'm writing borat it's like the first (laughs) item on our topic summary yeah you're welcome and i haven't even given you the official title it's i don't want to hear it i don't want to (laughs) know you're going to it says, little is known about the movie except for its official title, which just makes it even better. Borat, Gift of Pornographic Monkey to Vice Premier Mikhail Pence to Make Benefit Recently Diminished Nation of Kazakhstan. That's the entire title. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Some other things happened. Wow. How you move on from that, but where do we go next? <laughs> do we, you just went in the show? That's the show. I That's mean, I feel show. like that could be the whole thing. It. Shut it down. All right. Uh, <laughs> VMworld 2020 kicked off. Yeah, it did. VMworld? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Hmm. Capital okay. V, lowercase hmm. M, capital W, lowercase O, capital R. No, 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 no. No, is that not <laughs> uh cool so kicked off uh chris wolf uh vp of advanced technology group at vmware wrote a little article uh going over the news announcement summary posted it yesterday i guess the tagline for vmware 2020 is innovating with the expectation of change so uh let's hop through a couple of those things any of those uh, stick out to you guys Man, there there were a lot of things there the uh sassy offering is interesting just uh, it pulls through with the VMware. what offer sassy i'm sure i'm saying that wrong, but sassy offering it's uh secure what is it advanced remote no i'm i'm butchering that i just forgot the acronym <laughs> that's great this is good this is awesome don't worry we'll about look it that up Fine. and we'll come back to that <laughs> secure access service edge is what it stands for is that um, what we're secure access sassy I'm sure. I don't know. This is this I'm is like sure, a section sure in the industry, by the way. So like VMware is going to have yeah. uh, components that, that they'll deliver for it. Other it. manufacturers like Palo Alto or Fortinet will have things that sort of play in this space as well. So 
but it's, that's that's what he's referring to. Yeah, yeah, and and what I like about it is that it brings a lot of technologies um, through acquisition and R and D together to sort of pull the thread on on VMware's mantra for quite a while now. You know, any device, uh, any application, um, any cloud. But in this case, it's it's at the end. But it it's delivering securely um, end user experiences uh, that are predictable, right? And it it's a combination of SD-WAN, uh, the cloud service brokers and gateway, as well as uh, stateful layer seven firewall and zero trust access down to that with some edge network intelligence too, which I don't know a whole lot about yet. And I'm actually looking forward to learning more about. Sounds like a smart yeah. edge. Smart I saw too, edge. you can get a six month free trial, uh, Carbon Black. Yeah, the and I think that's the work uh, VMware Carbon Black cloud workload, right? Or it's a specific part of the offering, but six months. Yeah, I think that's what it, I saw too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unlimited free trial of VMware Carbon Black Cloud Workload Essentials available for all current vSphere 6.5 and VMware Cloud Foundation 4.0 customers. So that's cool. That's yeah, cool. That's, that is cool. Get out there. Try it. But uh, no, that's awesome. Uh, there was, let's see, Azure VMware Solution. Following the announcement that Azure VMware Solution is generally available, I thought it already was generally available. So that was news to me. Oh, man. I was already um, aware of it, but I think that's just no. I think it was limited it. access at the beginning of Azure VMware Solutions. I forget exactly how it was fenced, but when it was offered through um, the partners in Azure's portal, uh, yeah. which actually was only one because the second one I don't think came to be. Uh, anyways, the Azure VMware Solutions is it's, it's really it's kind of a Gen two deployment of mm. uh, the Cloud Foundation stack effectively in okay. the Azure cloud. So. Yeah, so the original the original VMware solution inside of Azure was from a company called Cloud Simple, right? Which was then acquired by Google. (laughs) By Google, (laughs) so doesn't play real well for a yeah. So they sort of had to to go go a different route uh, with what they were providing. Uh, But it's interesting. I actually presented on the Azure VMware solution to our cloud teams uh, earlier this week or last week. It was one of the days in one of the weeks that was recent. So it's it's definitely something that's that's came along uh, recently, uh, like gotten oh, okay. a lot better recently. Yeah, after yeah. after the redo, I guess you could say from the the cloud sim- simple shift, which is you know obviously now running Google's version of the VMware side. Right. Of it. Oh, okay. Because I, I was going to the- say I've been looking at Azure VMware Solution for a mm, couple months now, and there's a website. I mean, you can go to Azure's oh, yeah. website yeah, and yeah. see it. But the whole point of uh, the announcement there too, as uh, as Chris points out, that there is now a production VMware footprint in every major public cloud. So Absolutely. AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, IBM Cloud, and Oracle Cloud. Who else yeah, and there's say some that? there's some neat Strong. things about the Azure VMware solutions too that's compelling from a, a Microsoft perspective. I've I've been surprised as a seller in VMware's field that um, the groups in Microsoft are actually very aggressively positioning it for the appropriate workloads, which is great. So, um, you know, I've, I've actually got some work streams that are getting into it. And then, uh, yeah, the the Google offering, similar. Um, that one I haven't gotten to toy with as much. But yeah, it and is then he goes on. Cool. He goes on uh, to talk about several new capabilities for VMware Cloud on AWS. I should probably plug well, this link. I'll put the link in the in the notes. Uh, but if y'all don't already follow 
Chris Wolf on the Twitter. What is his handle? Is it C Wolf? C S Wolf at C S Wolf. Yeah. Go give him a follow. Uh, But he goes into in his uh, in the post. I just walked away from it. But uh, several new capabilities for VMware Cloud on AWS, including VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery, VMware Tanzu Support, VMware Transit Connect, new regional compliance listings. Uh, so G Cloud, HIPAA, BAA, uh, EBA, white paper, stuff like that. Enhanced automation and operations, enhanced enhanced HCX capabilities. So lots of stuff coming at you from uh, VMware on yeah. public cloud things. And some of those are big, right? Uh, so obviously Tanzu support, that's the so VMware or, or Kubernetes with VMware, VMware with Kubernetes Um it being able to run that sort of natively in VMC on AWS, the cloud disaster recovery is is the continuation of the Datrium acquisition, right? Um, so I think a lot of this stuff has been hinted at, but some of those are, are pretty big. The, the VMware Transit Connect is related to the AWS Direct Connect gateways as well. Um, and I, I would say every customer I work with on... Uh, running workloads in VMC on AWS um, leaned into that really fast. Uh, which is which is pretty cool too. So I think those are those are big announcements, especially for users that are using them right now. But definitely worth digging yeah. into. Yeah, and there was um, there's a fairly large announcement too on the VMware Cloud on Dell EMC side too, uh, running these things in uh, kind of on prem with that Cloud IaaS feel. But uh, it, VMware Cloud on Dell EMC now supports VMware HCX based workload migration, which is a very powerful tool. That was <laughs> yeah, good to see. Yeah. HCX is incredible. I actually like to describe HCX as being insultingly simple. I don't know if you guys have, have ever <laughs> actually good, tried man. to we use it, that. but it, it realistically yeah. is. I mean, it's it is a select checkboxes of VMs and click go. I mean, it's yep. it's insane the ability to. Okay. Move. I mean, if, if you have a I'm customer a lot or if you are a customer, fast. yeah, if you need to move a lot of VMs in a short amount of time, use that. <laughs> it is yep. it is unbelievable how how simple and fast it can move things into VMC. And uh, one of the other Not big ones things. that dropped was, um, well, SaltStack, uh, the, the uh, yeah. intent to require there, uh, which we can talk about. But, I mean, it just basically comes down to kind of that um, end-to-end automation up into applications right. and all that kind of stuff. But then also, or did you, did you want to make a comment about that? No, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm obviously going to get a lot more familiar with SaltStack, but just for the folks that don't know, SaltStack is kind of in the same space as the Puppet Chefs Ansibles of the world. So it is, mm-hmm. I don't know, call, call it that last mile um, for automation up into what the OS and application area or space, right? So that's pretty exciting because I think it does round out um, a set of capabilities with vRealize automation and vRealize suite in general, our cloud management portfolio, um, especially with the addition of CodeStream, now add SaltStack to that. And it, it really is, you know, we're, we're getting close to the entire footprint of what you'd need for automated deployments. And I'll be interested to see what what sort of morphs from that. Um, you know, there, there are two kind of primary ways that, that automation happens uh, these days as far as like the frameworks behind them. There's imperative and there's declarative. You know, Kubernetes is, is built around a, a declarative way of doing things, which is, you know, describe what you want, cluster handles it. So imagine going to a restaurant saying, I want a steak, medium rare and mashed potatoes goes in the back and just sort of comes out to you. That's sort of declaratively how things are handled in, in that type of automation. Salt is more of the imperative way, right? Which is more of a, 
you have this set of instructions that you follow every single time. It's a repeatable task, and then you can, you know, you can you can go through that workflow in an automated fashion. They, they ha- there are some elements that it sort of encompasses both sides of it, but I'll be interested to see if it because you guys VMware is leaning so heavy into Kubernetes. I will be curious as to if there will be a lean in on salt to do more declarative types of things. Not that it can't today, but just if it will do more mm-hmm. and, or if it will be more of a, let me tie in with Terraform, which would be like the thing that everyone thinks about when they think of a declarative way of automating uh, workloads. And it's, I think it's an interesting acquisition. I just didn't, I didn't see it coming. Uh, no, I think yeah. It's a good one, I, it caught me um, off but surprise too. It definitely caught me off guard. Or off guard. Um, there, there were a lot of in Viralize Automation. There were a lot of hooks into Terraform in the latest releases to 8.1, 8.2, which is uh, I think set to be released or just got released. Which is but, usually the case. Um, yeah. Most of those CMPs, the cloud management platforms that like Vrealize would fall into, they are usually kind of your overarching, you know, oh, yeah. just say it source of truth or management that has plugins into Salt or Ansible or. Puppet, Chef, Terraform, you just name things. one of them. It can just it can just integrate into all of those things. Yep. It uses those runbooks in order to facilitate the sort of the visualization of the infrastructure that you might create right. within vRealize. So it's right. you know, right. I, I'll be interested to see how much more integrated that gets. Uh, you know, one thing I'm I'm curious to see is if there's any implementation to be able to sort of do more discovery of brownfield deployments. But once again, like this stuff is uh very new as far as the one V realize has been going through some pretty substantial changes over oh, the last huge. two years and, and fast changes. I mean, that's yeah. the other one. I don't know if this is publicly announced, but it, it'll be pretty obvious, pretty fast, but I, the intent, if not the, the explicit goal is to release quarterly now for the, the V realize suite, V realize automation in particular. So um, when it comes to integrating things like salt stack, um, Expect to see it move at a pretty healthy click, right? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of sure. Vrealize, uh, Project Magna is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is announced as generally available. Magna's oh, yeah, with that one. I, I learned about yeah, Magna. It's, it's like the Vrealize AI now. piece. Oh. Yeah, Vrealize yeah. AI. So it yeah. uses reinforcement learning to self tune application performance. Um, all that kind of stuff, right? That's hot. It's uh, it's impressive. So the first time I learned about Project Magna before, obviously, it was called Vrealize AI. It was back when I worked with the storage and availability unit that is no more. But uh, it was targeting vSAN specifically. And mm-hmm. when they let Magna loose, you know, when they let the AI loose at systems running um, vSAN for storage I/O performance, and they really let it kind of tune anything underneath the covers because Magda can screw a lot of stuff, some of which you know you may not want. It's just an AI. It could go buck wild if you opened every lock, right? But um, some of the the initial you know responses were just wild. Like what it changed inside the vSphere, vSphere kernel basically was like, whoa, that's scary, but also impressive. So yeah. I'm I'm really curious to see uh, what this looks like in production with some, you know, safety gates in place to to go and actually make pretty cool changes in real time to those environments. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Early adopters have seen performance improvements as high as 50% for read and write IO with the read and write cache optimizations that Vrealize AI made to their vSAN environments. Best of all, this is just the beginning, says Chris. Yeah. So No, no, very, very, for real. 
That's the stuff. Like the cash, cash optimizations, those are, I'll call it a safe thing to let something go buck wild changing, right? Um, and, and that's why I think we're presenting it that way. What, what Magna was capable of. Does not make me feel comfortable. <laughs> no, system. I know that's that's why that's why it's fenced see, off. Like, that's why CPU we're just playing with thrashing. cash. I see yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the the AI is capable of so much more. So it's this is just scratching. It really is just scratching the surface. It's going to be awesome yeah. for self optimization. Is uh, Elon Musk going to put this in my head one day? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna run on uh, little your chip in your brain's brain. rewrite optimization. <laughs> Speaking of things running on chips elsewhere, uh, Project Monterey Tech Preview came out, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, in, in this wasn't a major secret. In March of 2019, they demonstrated ESXi running on a SmartNIC. This is the uh, the uh, the continuation of that, right? So we got to get uh, Nicholson back on to talk about that one. We'll have to to tag this onto a financial Friday session. He loves networking in general, but yeah. he's been talking about smart Nicks and project Monterey forever. <laughs> Come with it, John. Let's hear it, man. Um, I mean, totally keeping the, it secret. The, yeah. So, <laughs> and Chris writes here, you know, leading smart Nick vendors, one of which is the one I work for Dell are already working with us on project Monterey, which is currently centered around three key use cases. So you have one network performance and security. Cool. Storage performance and dynamic composition. Hmm, that's interesting. And bare metal workloads and composability. This is where it gets really interesting, uh, as Chris said there. But uh, imagine running the SXI control plane on a SmartNIC, right? Freeing all the x86 host cores to run other workloads, inclusive of bare metal. Uh, it, it gets a little crazy. So super yeah. exciting. Yeah, seeing where this goes, I think it's going to be really fascinating. But especially if... Um you know, the compute space of Gen Z takes off and disaggregate compute becomes kind of the future. Things like this will be important. Never mind that every NIC can have its own hypervisor, which is going to be capable of running all of the network security and other endpoint security sort of ecosystems that it opens up a lot of capabilities that, that should be pretty fascinating to see unwind. Yeah, yeah, let's not let's not wanna, gloss over this. The, yeah. the, the the ability here is incredible because you're looking at the possibility of running physical workloads that are leveraging vSAN and, and NSX, uh, which in particular on the vSAN side of things, because NSX actually um, sort of blends that a little bit today. Yeah, uh, is is pretty next level for them to be able to extend sort of that control plane and, and data management side of what VMware is doing to physical workloads, which, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, some people listening might be saying, who's, who is running physical workloads? Well, my friends, I can mm. tell you that I moved over 10,000 physical clustered SQL databases last year from one storage array to another. It's always uh, cool. People are doing it. And, yeah. and that was terrifying. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. just, just pointing out that there's, there's a lot of implications here yeah. For people who are running mixed workloads on premises, and that is that is a lot more people or customers than you could probably imagine. I, I'm really curious to see, and this is this is a total just dorky sort of business question, but um, if running it on the SmartNIC and leaving the host as a physical workload box, quote unquote, what the implications end up being for licensing. Because um, it, you know, having come from years of supporting a software-defined data center motion at VMware and working with software-defined storage, which has a lot of flexibility, which is part of what makes it so 
so compelling in a lot of cases because everything can be driven through policies. One of the biggest hurdles is clustered storage can adjust host counts in certain places, you know, keeping the balance perfectly between compute network and storage. And there are other ways to address this too, you know, keep your ears open this week as an example. But um, if, if you're not going to, as an example, uh, in, a, in a Hadoop cluster, you're running single workers on a host and you are making them as large as possible so that they can just consume every ounce of the resource, there are no sort of uh, licensing implications in a SQL or an Oracle world, for instance, if you have a single stateful database or what have you, that would you know, make the cost of licensing go through the roof in this situation because you can't run those core-based licensed products on those hosts because they're not actually part of the hypervisor ecosystem, but you can get all of that policy-based sort of goodness anyways. I I'm dying to see if, if that really does knock down those hurdles or if uh, the licensors of these software yeah. solutions end up, you know, unwinding that. Well, Hey, uh, we got to shut it down. Uh, you got to go to another call, but before I do, I do that, this is not a small thing. So, and as Chris says in the article here for an in-depth look at project Monterey, you should take a look at Kit Colbert, 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 Colbert. Why am I messing up on that? Colbert? That's Colbert. Report. Colbert? Colbert. I think it's Colbert. Colbert, yeah, Kit Colbert. Why? That was that threw me for a loop there for a second. My brain like rebooted. What was it? Yeah, there's Colbert. a lot of details there. Kit Colbert. Anyway, but Kit is a VP and CTO cloud platform BU at VMware. Right. Wrote a blog post on it. I'll drop it in the show notes. And then um, Dell's uh, SVP of Strategy dropped a tweet yesterday that referenced um, Paul Perez's uh, blog on that. Paul Perez being the SVP and CTO of uh, Infrastructure Solutions Group over at Dell. So. Uh, this is a big time strategy. Uh, this is something that you should uh, you should learn. So go check it out. I'll drop the links in the show notes. Yeah, maybe and I want to I want to point out one last thing that we did seem to skip over, um, and I'll just do it real quick because I know we have to go. And that is the project Antria. Um, I don't know if it's Antria or Antria. I've, I've never really known how to pronounce it to be honest. But A N T R E A. This is a uh, this is an open source uh, networking tool for yeah. for Kubernetes. That so. Is big. It, the the purpose of this tool is sort of to bring programmability um, to the networks using OVS. So OVS, uh, I actually think was pretty sure VMware created OVS. Um, so Open vSwitch, um, which is used for Linux and, and Windows software based networking. So they they brought this as you know another <clears throat> another tool to be able to be used in uh, inside of Kubernetes as something that's included with. NSXT uh, and uh, and I think VCF and so it's it's a way to get started in a maybe more simplistic fashion with some of the more intricate networking aspects of Kubernetes, but they are explicitly pointing out that for scaling the environments it will sort of be imperative to move to NSXT to really handle that long term. But I think it's interesting that they're including it up front as maybe an easier way potentially to get started because NSXT is more one of those with great power comes great responsibility yeah. and that responsibility is most certain around the form of of building it and, and once once you have it built SDC manager will help you with managing it after that but that's very interesting they're really trying to help you know make kubernetes more consumable this is one of those announcements that is definitely geared towards that so just something to keep an eye on if uh, you're digging into it as another option that's kind of coming along with uh, NSXT vSphere 7 the Tanzu suite etc 
Yeah, definitely a good call out. There's a lot of exciting stuff there. I'm sure we're going to have more this week too. Um, hopefully I can get ahead of all my meetings this week and, and actually dig into some of the stuff that's fairly new to me as well. But uh, regardless, I'm hoping we get lots of good training on all of it. So that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope you enjoyed it. Super VMware centric. It's an exciting week. There's all kinds of news we didn't touch, but if there's something in particular you thought we should have talked about, let us know. And please come join us on the show if you're interested in tossing out your opinions and talking tech. We will talk to you guys on Friday. Peace. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Cheers. Later.